Hidden Heroes, a podcast series from UNICEF. Stories about the power of women and girls. It's after school on a fall day, and Samaya Faruqi and Ida Haderpour are doing what typical teenagers do, hanging out. There's nothing typical about what's happening here, though. Samaya has taken Ida to a room on the top floor of her family's house. She calls it her innovation room. And Samaya is showing Ida one of those innovations, a washing machine. It's made from a large tin that held cooking oil in a past life. Samaya says it works just like a real washing machine. It spins the clothes one way and then the other, and it can do this because of its motor, which Samaya points out to Ida. What is it made from? Ida asks. It's the motor of an old windshield wiper. Ida is impressed. But there's more to see, like a vegetable cutter. This contraption has two jagged teeth-like blades that move quickly back and forth at the press of a button. But Samaya has quite possibly saved the best for last. She leads Ida to a large white tray on the floor. There are small fake plants and grass inside, with a series of thin plastic tubes running throughout. It's a model of an irrigation system. Samaya is hoping to build it for her family's orchard. She walks Ida through it. Her design uses pipes to carry water from the family's pool to the base of the trees. The pool water comes from a water tank, which comes from a well. Samaya hopes this system will prevent water waste. That's important, because Samaya and Ida live in a country that has suffered some of the worst droughts and water shortages in the world. Afghanistan. You can fill the pool in Samaya's irrigation system by flipping a switch, which is powered by a solar panel. It's a sustainable design, for good reason. At this point in our story, on the day she's demonstrating her contraptions in 2020, only about a third of Afghanistan's population has electricity, and those who do have it for a limited number of hours each day. Samaya's built a controller so that water flows to different rows of trees at different times and in different amounts, depending on the kind of tree. Ida is in awe. And as Samaya elaborates on how electricity flows through this irrigation system, Ida gets it. Science is a shared language between these friends and a shared passion. When you see things like this, Ida says, you get inspired and you think, I should learn how to make something like this as well. And she could. Because Ida and Samaya belong to a unique group of teenagers from Afghanistan, a group that challenged perceptions. You know, in Afghanistan is a society that um, most of the people think the men are better than the women and pushed boundaries. We are the first girls, especially in school girls, that we are working on technology. They're an all-girls robotics team, 
They call themselves the Afghan Dreamers. Through most of 2020, the Dreamers were working on something big. Bigger than a solar-powered, water-saving irrigation system. Bigger than any of us probably could have imagined, say, a year and a half ago. In a press conference in Kabul, Afghanistan's health minister confirmed the country's first coronavirus case in the western province of Herat. The ministry announced that this group of girls was called upon to join their nation's fight against COVID-19. Just helping our goals was helping and improving of Afghanistan. I'm Beth Murphy, and this is Hidden Heroes, a podcast series from UNICEF about women and girls who are innovating, organizing, and saving lives during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. This episode, Afghan Dreamers. After the fall of the Taliban 20 years ago, it seemed like no matter how people felt about the war, there was one thing we could all agree on. Girls should be able to go to school, get a job, drive a car, dream big, and turn those dreams into reality. And that's exactly what started to happen. Girls and women seized every opportunity they could. As a journalist and filmmaker, I was so inspired by their stories that I kept returning to Afghanistan again and again and again. Of course, we know what happened. In August of 2021, the Taliban regained control of the country. Thousands of Afghan citizens stormed the airport in Kabul, some so desperate to escape they grabbed onto planes that were hurtling down the runway. Now those who have not already escaped have almost no recourse. They're trapped, fearing for their lives and what this new reality will mean for women and girls. It's a dark picture. But today we rewind. We're going back to a time just before the takeover, back to a time when the country faced a different challenge. One that was both new and alarming. First suspected Afghan coronavirus cases are held in the isolation ward of Herat Hospital. It was late February 2020 when the first coronavirus case arrived in Afghanistan. It arrived from Iran into Herat, the country's northwest border province. More than 200,000 Afghans returned from Iran in the early months of 2020. Some to escape its struggling economy, others to escape Iran's rapidly increasing COVID caseload. But the virus came with these migrants, turning Herat into the epicenter of COVID-19 in Afghanistan. An operation to disinfect the city of Herat is in full swing. A task force has been sent out to clean the streets, hospitals and government buildings to counter the spread of coronavirus. Herat was also the home of the Afghan Dreamers. Samaya was 17 years old when coronavirus broke out in her city. Here she is again, speaking through an interpreter. Our biggest fear during the coronavirus was that without a vaccine, our family members could die. Because we saw people dying in other parts of the world, we were afraid that we and our families and our friends might get infected with this virus and die. Businesses shuttered, schools closed, large gatherings banned. But none of that could make up for the fact that Herat just wasn't prepared. Masks, gloves, coronavirus tests, they were low on everything. 
including a crucial piece of equipment. But before I tell you what that piece of equipment is, I want to back up here a little bit. The Afghan Dreamers team is about a dozen girls, ages 14 to 17, who got quite a reputation after their founding in 2017. They traveled the world participating in robotics competitions. The U.S., Canada, the Netherlands, Estonia, Qatar, Turkey, Mexico, the United Arab Emirates, picking up awards along the way. Which is why when the former governor of Herat called on the country's brightest minds to address the ventilator shortage, doctors, scientists, professors, he added Dreamers, this group of teenaged girls, to the list. Now, if this were an action movie, this would be where we'd put the montage of the team of scientists assembling the spaceship that will carry them to safety. And while 2020 did at times feel like dystopian sci-fi, that's not how things played out for the Afghan dreamers. The challenges the girls faced trying to build a complex machine in the eye of a deadly outbreak that shut down most of their city can't be cinematically summarized. And the story of how they were able to work through those challenges actually starts many years earlier, in an auto mechanics workshop. The mechanic is Samaya's father. Samaya pays close attention, as she's done all her life, as her father gives her the lay of the land under the hood of a car. My father's work inspires me. His job is to repair cars, and even as a young girl, I would watch my father work on different machines. It was very interesting for me to work with different machinery, build new things, and repair things. I tried to learn as much as I could from him. Working with him helped me very much. Samaya is the oldest of three children, and she says her father raised her like a son teaching her his trade even before she was old enough to go to school. Now, some kids don't have any interest in their dad's line of work. But Samaya fell in love with mechanics. And pretty soon, she was asking for her dad's help on her own projects. Whenever I was building something at home and didn't have enough tools or equipment at my disposal, I would ask my father for them. He had most of the parts I needed at his shop. Even if he did not have it, I could use old or second-hand tools and do what I wanted. And it's only with her father's support that Samaya has been able to explore mechanics and robotics at all fields that have been mainly off-limits to girls in Afghanistan. Even her father's workshop feels off-limits at times, which is why he mostly brings projects home for her to work on. Because there are a lot of men at my father's workshop, I can't go there. I try to go when no one is there, like Fridays. He's very busy there, but it's mostly empty on Fridays. I go there on Fridays and ask my father all the questions I have so he can answer me. Eventually, Samaya got a workshop of her own. I have a room on the top floor of the house that I call the innovation room. 
My father brought to me all the tools I needed from his shop. For example, radio parts, the motors that are used in cars, and lots of other kinds of tools. In my free time, when I'm not studying for an exam, I go to that room and do some work. When I'm in my innovation room, <laughs> I feel happy. Even when I'm concerned about something, I go to that room and work on devices, and it puts me completely at ease. It makes me forget any problems. I focus only on my work. Now it's Samaya's turn to show her father around her workspace. She's 17 at this point, and there's less of a master-apprentice dynamic. They're more like collaborators, sitting side by side on the floor as she shows him her latest projects, like the vegetable cutter which she has big plans for. Samaya's father beams as she explains how she wants to scale up the contraption to cut crops right at their base, so there's less food wasted. Most of these things are good because they can be used for agriculture. Afghanistan is an agricultural country. What about this one, her father asks, picking up something that looks like a makeshift miniature dump truck, but with two round brushes hanging down in front. Samaya presses one button, and the plastic container on the back tilts into its dumping position. She presses another, and the brushes affixed to the front spin. One is sweeping, the other one is collecting, and this one can dump. It's a model of a street sweeper. There's a theme in Samaya's work, a sense of purpose. The street sweeper, the crop cutter, the irrigation system. They're designed to save time and money and critical resources. Samaya spends her free time dreaming up ways to help people live better lives. This drive to help her community and her country is what made answering the call to design a ventilator a no-brainer for Samaya, even though these were uncharted waters for the group. This was our first time building a medical device. We had no experience whatsoever. This was a, a very important mission because we're dealing with people's lives. When we saw that there is a shortage of these machines and that the community, the doctors and governor wanted us to build it, we decided to work on it. The dreamers might not have known how to make a medical machine, but they knew how to find someone who would. With the power of the internet, the internet is here to share all the things good and wonderful around the world with instant click, click. <laughs> this is Alex Slocum. He can be a bit of a goofball, but his actual title and his actual voice are a little more professorial. I am the Walter M. May and A. Hazel May Professor of Mechanical Engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Cambridge, Massachusetts, USA. MIT is world-renowned for its advances in technology and engineering. But it's also known for sharing that intellectual wealth through things like free online courses and open-source templates and designs. Open-source, whether it be software or hardware, is the premise that People will create things for the joy of creation and sharing and betterment of everybody 
and not for personal immediate, haha, look, my bank account, it went up. Fantastic. Alex teaches a course in medical device design. Some years back, his students created a blueprint for an emergency ventilator. The kind that could be useful if a lot of people suddenly needed a ventilator for a short period of time. Like, say, a global pandemic of respiratory illness. So when COVID rolls around and there's this, oh my goodness, we're going to have a shortage of ventilators, we started getting emails. Hey, let's release the plans for that. So they did. They made the design for their so-called event free and easy to find online. Teams around the world got to work, including the Afghan Dreamers. But just as quickly as the girls got started, they got stalled. More in a minute. hidden hero? Call 1-347-921-HERO. That's 1-347-921-4376. And tell us about a hidden hero in your life. We're excited to share these stories on social media, and maybe even in future episodes, to celebrate the hidden heroes in your community. And thanks. Most of us have a general idea of what a ventilator does. It helps patients who are having trouble breathing on their own. But how it does that is another story. So when the Afghan Dreamers were called upon by the former governor of Herat to help solve the ventilator shortage in their COVID-wracked city, they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. In the governor's office, the doctors told us that the machine that they wanted us to build was supposed to do four things. First, it should control the air volume. The air volume. Quite simply, the volume of air the patient needs. That varies from patient to patient. Adults need more. Children need less. Thing two. The ventilator should control the respiratory rate or the number of breaths the patient takes per minute. Most of us take somewhere between 12 to 20 breaths a minute, in case you were wondering. The third thing the machine needed to be able to control is the ratio of inhalation to exhalation. Finally, the ventilator must, must, must have a pressure sensor something that gauges the pressure applied to help the patient inhale and exhale. All of this is to say, breathing? That mindless thing we do all day? There's a lot more to it than you'd think. Building a machine to breathe for someone? There's a lot more to that, too. Fortunately, the Afghan dreamers are really good at building things, at least when they have the materials they need. During lockdown, they didn't have access to shops and couldn't import the parts they needed. The girls would have to make do with what they could find inside the country. And whatever these parts were going to be, they'd have to be inexpensive and readily available. Samaya, the resourceful teenage tinkerer and also the team's captain, 
had been practicing for this all her life. The Afghan dreamers used old car parts. Most people drive uh, Toyota Corollas in Herat and in all of Afghanistan. Their parts are easily accessible. So if the situation had become really critical and we needed to build a lot of these devices, we would have needed more tools and parts. Because this car is so widely used and most of the parts can be found, we use Toyota Corollas. For the Dreamers, the crown jewel of those Corollas wasn't the engine or the catalytic converter or the alternator. It was an underestimated component that Samaya was already acquainted with. The important part is the windshield wiper. It is motor strong. The thing we wanted to do inside the ventilator device could be done perfectly by the motor of the Toyota Corolla's windshield wiper. The thing they wanted to do was mechanize the machine, transform Afghanistan's emergency ventilator from those balloon-looking bags that you see EMTs hand-pumping in TV medical dramas into a device that can run on its own, all thanks to the motor of a humble windshield wiper. They're really a hobbyist dream uh, motor because they have a lot of torque, relatively low speed. MIT's Alex Slocum again. That's actually what they ended up using was a windshield wiper geared down through a transmission from the motorcycle. Now, the fact that the team captain's father is an auto mechanic certainly didn't hurt in getting parts for the Dreamer's prototype. But it didn't solve everything either. And what they still needed was in shops that were locked up and locked down. Our work would be delayed until the next day sometimes because we didn't have the right tool or just a single screw. It would take us time to find the owner of the shop to sell us the equipment that we needed. Our second problem was that Throughout the process of building the device, we, the students, and some of our teachers got infected by the coronavirus. Despite wearing gloves and masks and only having half of the group go into the workshop at a time, many of the girls got sick, including Samaya. I'm not sure if I was infected with coronavirus. I didn't get tested. But my legs were hurting, I had a sore throat, I was coughing, and I also had a little bit of fever. COVID tests weren't widely available in Herat at the time, and still weren't several months into the pandemic. This made it really hard to know how many people in Afghanistan actually had the virus. In the meantime, many did what Samaya did when she started feeling ill. Just stay home. But for the Dreamers, staying home meant the ventilator project was put on hold for weeks. Fortunately, everyone recovered. The girls sprung back into action. About six weeks after accepting the challenge from their government to build a ventilator, the Afghan Dreamers had done it. They got the remaining parts they needed with the help of international mentors and 3D printers. They finished assembling, and then they switched it on. 
Samaya says their ventilator can do everything the doctors requested. Control air volume, respiratory rate, the inhale-exhale ratio, and it has a pressure sensor and a digital screen so doctors can easily see the condition of a patient. We are all very happy about what my team and I have done in Afghanistan. Our country had a need for ventilators and we were able to help. It's um, a matter of pride, both for us and for our country. These girls had built a device that, if approved, could be manufactured at a fraction of the cost of a typical ventilator that could run on a battery for up to 10 hours should the power go out and a device that just maybe changed some minds in Afghanistan about what girls are capable of. When we started our work, naturally, most of the comments we got were negative. Some people were shocked. They were saying, girls working in the robotic field? That is unheard of. But when they saw our successes, people's mentalities about us changed. Today, most of the comments we get are positive. Given the achievements we've made and the successes we've had, most people realize that girls can accomplish a lot in many different fields. We are very proud. The Dreamers didn't stop with the ventilator. They've built more devices to combat the coronavirus, like... UVC robot. This UVC robot, as Samaya calls it, works kind of like a Roomba. It moves around shining UV light, which can disinfect surfaces and small spaces. This robot can completely clean a 3-meter by 4-meter room within 30 to 40 minutes. For instance, we can use it in hospital rooms because when a patient comes, the room gets infected with microbes and viruses. And when that patient is discharged, we can place the UVC robot in that room so the room is cleaned completely. Next up a robot that sprays liquid disinfectant. It's a boxy white base on wheels. A robotic arm can move up and down to spray things as small as hospital tools and as large as walls. And then there's the innovation that makes fighting the coronavirus seem like child's play. Have you always liked video games? Yep. I don't know if you heard the name, Super Mario. This is Ida, who we met at the very beginning in Samaya's innovation room. Ida grew up playing Super Mario. But now, she says she could make the game herself. Yep, completely. I can do it. In fact, she kind of already has. Ida was the captain of the game development team for Digital Citizen Fund, the organization that founded the Afghan Dreamers. What you're hearing right now is the Afghan Dreamer's newest game, HeroVid. Hero is the like the superhero, and the vid part is for virus disease, because it's for the hero of the coronavirus. And the hero of this game is a young woman, a doctor specifically, wearing a mask and a white medical coat over traditional Afghan clothes. Ida said her game is modeled after Super Mario, and just like the mustachioed mushroom lover, the doctor in HeroVid has to move through her own gauntlet of sorts to reach a flag at the end of each level. Instead of picking up coins, stars, and mushrooms, the doctor in HeroVid picks up masks, gloves, and sanitizer 
while dodging little green coronaviruses. And instead of Mario's Mushroom Kingdom, Herovid is set in Afghanistan. Each of its 10 levels takes place at a different historic site around the country. Every person, just when he or she plays this game, she or he um, should know that it is an Afghan game made by girls in Afghanistan. And that's Ida's dream, to make games that show the world what girls in Afghanistan are capable of. More immediately, though, she hopes HeroVid will encourage kids to stay inside during the pandemic and to wear their masks, just like the hero of the coronavirus herself. Ida and her team are also working on educational games. There's one for mathematics, another for reading and writing. They're intended for kids who can't go to school, either because there isn't one nearby or because they're not allowed to. When the Afghan Dreamers made these games, that was the case for many girls in Afghanistan. Outside the city, there are lots of girls that they cannot go to school, they cannot even just study. In my age, like the same as my age, just they, uh, they get married and uh, just they have family, they have children, they should always do like their husband things. Ida says if girls can just have more opportunities, all kinds of things could blossom. I can give you an example that, for myself, if uh, this opportunity won't be um, just for me, I wouldn't uh, just develop a game. I won't um, be a game developer now. And uh, I think there are lots of, like, hidden talents in Afghanistan. Hidden talents, Ida says. The unrealized potential of girls who never get a shot at their dreams. When they became the Afghan dreamers, these girls had that shot. And it didn't happen by accident. They were buoyed by teachers and mentors near and far, from the Ministry of Public Health, UNICEF, and Alex Slocum at MIT. I am not so much amazed as I am filled with optimism and hope for the world after all. And, of course, Dad. My father is my role model. He helped me in this field when I was a child, and he's still helping me and supporting me. My father is the hero of my life. When a society is controlled by and centered around men, it affects the work and the lives of girls. In order for a girl to be able to continue her work, she needs to be supported by the men in her family, her brothers and her father. If she's not supported, she cannot be successful in life. This gets back to something that's so important. A society that holds its girls back is holding itself back. A society that invests in all of its young people is investing in itself. The Afghan dreamers may have gotten the world's attention with their innovations during the coronavirus pandemic, but their attention was on Afghanistan. Because in the minds of the Afghan dreamers, building a new society, one that's more equal, more innovative, more prosperous, and more peaceful, 
started with them. My personal wish is to go to university and become a successful mechanical engineer in the future. And my wish for Afghanistan is that one day it will be at the level of countries with strong technology and that it will make it to the top. I wish for everlasting peace to come to Afghanistan. That was a time when Samaya and her teammates were designing the prototype for this new Afghanistan. They were using the education and opportunities they'd been given to engineer the society they wanted to live in. That's the dream in Afghan dreamers. It was also the joy and ease that Samaya felt when she was in her innovation room. It was the freedom that Ida felt when she was designing a video game. You can make your own world, everything that is in your mind, you can just build that, you can make that, and just, uh, you can change your dreams to reality. But what's happened in Afghanistan lately forced the dreamers into a new reality. As the Taliban took over their city, Herat, and then the whole country, the girls were desperate to escape, and they did. Samaya and Ida were evacuated in the tense days after the Taliban takeover. Other members of the team who I'd gotten close with during the documentary filming contacted me then too. They'd gotten out earlier. Four of them were together in another country and I was so happy to hear their voices and know they were together. And they were together, but they were also alone. All of their family members were still stuck in Afghanistan and the girls were terrified for them. Terrified that doing what they're good at, doing what they love might bring harm to the people they love. We'll never forgive ourselves if something happens to them, they repeated to me over and over. And they asked if I could help get their families to safety. Volunteering as a private citizen, I couldn't afford a charter plane or anything like that, but something I could do, I could fill out paperwork like a career bureaucrat and leverage 20 years of contacts. So working with an incredible team of caring people, that's what we did. And it wasn't long before they were on their way to the airport and we were worrying about getting them into a safe house past Taliban checkpoints and through angry, violent mobs with bullets flying overhead. And they made it. It's a success story that looks a lot different than the one from just a year before. For the girls, their dreams are still alive. Unfortunately, at least for now, they will not be realized in Afghanistan. But this we know. Afghanistan has risen from these dark places before, and to do it again, they won't have to start from scratch. The Afghan dreamers left a blueprint behind, one that girls in the future can follow. Hidden Heroes is a UNICEF podcast series about girls and women's empowerment. It's produced by Principal Pictures and reported by me, Beth Murphy, and written and produced by Amory Sievertson. Sadie Zook is the associate producer. Mix and sound design by Mike Moschetto. Editing by Erica Lance. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. For more information on the series and to see the Afghan dreamers and their ventilator in action, go to unicef.org and subscribe to Hidden Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Do you know a hidden hero? Call 1-347-921-HERO. That's 1-347-921-4376. And tell us about a hidden hero in your life. 
we're excited to share these stories on social media, and maybe even in future episodes, to celebrate the hidden heroes in your community. And thanks 